Good morning, my friends. This is Sister Lisa coming to you from the ILD, the Edwin Elder Library. And we are about ready to wrap this thing up, I think, within a day or so. We should be done. We're on page 309 of the book on prayer. But even when we get done with the book, that doesn't mean we stop praying. No. Because remember before we did this book, we did prayer, 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 the supreme need of the hour by Andrew D. Ershon. Oh, what an awesome book. We need to pull that out from time to time and also reread that. And we need to um, reread this one. <laughs> and we need to, uh, of course, just keep on praying and keep on fasting and um, having communion um, and remembering what Jesus did um, shedding his blood and his body that was broken for us and uh, continue to point, point people to the cross continually pointing people to the cross because that's what we're not here just for ourselves we are not self-made people we are Christ-made creations he is making us in his image and he does that through our prayer our submission through our fasting and through our seeking seeking his word reading his word dwelling on the things of God and be in his hands, his feet, and his mouthpiece, helping others. Okay, we're going to, on page 309, a letter to the American church. It was many years ago when Dr. Martin, I could tell before I started in my mouth, it's not going to want to work today. Okay, I just got done drinking some, well, I had communion, and then I, a little bit later, I had some pumpkin spice latte, and so, anyway. Let's start this again. A letter to the American church. It was many years ago when Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. wrote his letter from a Birmingham jail. He had been sent to jail for protesting segregation. While there, eight pastors had written a letter to the editor complaining about King. He took the occasion to respond in a letter that memorialized much of his beliefs, his practices, and the unhearing, unseen protestant churches who did little to nothing in resolving the injustice. His letter served some purpose. It galvanized those fighting for civil rights. It informed the uninformed public. Not long afterward, President Kennedy announced his plans to pass sweeping civil rights reform. The power of a letter. <clears throat> I'm, <laughs> I'm keeping certain some of my thoughts. I'm sorry, you who listen to me. I don't have a large following right now, but maybe that's because I ad lib too much. But the power of a letter. I'm just when I was newly newlywed, um, my my parents uh, lived in Fort Wayne, Indiana at that time, and I lived in Hutchinson, Kansas. But my dad had um, where he had worked in the Kmart workshop, the warehouse warehouse. Um, this distribution center, they were closing down and they were, they laid off a bunch of workers and my dad was one of them. Now they hadn't completely closed though. And, um, I remember I wrote a letter. I sat down at that typewriter and I just started writing from my heart. I told him about how my dad had been when he, in his younger days, how he had been chosen um, at his schools, the most likely to succeed, and how that one that um, his postman, his postmaster who was delivering mail came by one day and he said, said to my dad, he says, why are you still here? He says, uh, uh, you've got such great 
you know, you got so much potential and stuff. You don't belong in this little town. You belong in the city. And it wasn't too long after that my dad did go um, to Terre Haute. He, um, actually, he moved in with Sister Edwina Elder. Oh, my word. She was one of the ladies, um, her and her kid, uh, her son, Carl Elder, which was my pastor, uh, years later, uh, had opened up her doors and let him stay with her while he was attending um, college there in Terre Haute and attended King's Highway Tabernacle and where he met my mom <laughs> and so forth and so forth. But anyway, um, uh, he had so much potential. And I didn't write all that in that letter. I wrote about how uh, my dad had had uh, been told by the postmaster he needed to get to the city. My dad went to the college and my dad then enrolled in the army and all that stuff. He had all this stuff going, but he kept sacrificing his life. He didn't do what his dreams and ambition was. Instead, he went and worked for my uncle Everett. My uncle Everett had started a business of uh, raising laboratory animals, hamsters and um, mice and stuff that he would send off to for scientific, scientific experiments. Anyway, my uncle became quite rich. My dad did not. But anyway, I was telling, in my letter, I was telling about how my dad was such a hard worker and how he always made, you know, other people's um, dreams come true and stuff and how he didn't need to be laid off and all that. Please let him come back. Well, my dad got a call. He got a call back from the company and they called him back for the three years that they remain open, they were closing uh, down, but he got to work the whole time until they actually closed their doors. And it's the power of a letter. Yes, I love my dad that much. And I know, he if he probably, I don't know if he knows, I, you know, you know I, at that time, I know he did it. You know, sometimes you do it in secret. You don't want people to know. But I know. I was, I was pulling for my dad, because I know he pulled for me. I know he would pull for me if I got in the mind. And Jesus points pulls for us. But anyway, let's get back to this the power of a letter. The Apostle John, at the Lord's bidding, wrote seven letters to seven churches of Asia. Seven letters to the seven churches of Asia. Some take it that his letters from individual messages to the seven churches, ages, beginning with Ephesus, the first love, and ending with Laodicea, lukewarm. Others believe they were simply reading written to seven representative churches and have application for all of us. Each letter was written to the angel or leader of the local church. Each recognized areas of health and sickness. Did you know that? Did you know your pastor is your angel? Is the angel of the church? Did you know that? The power of a letter. I'm no Martin Luther King Jr. I'm no Apostle John. Yet I am moved to write a letter to the American church. This is Brother Ken Curley. I'm reading out of the book. In fact, no book on prayer would be complete without it. Permit my hopefully sanctified imagination to run wild. What would Jesus say today to the church in America? Page 310. To the church in America. I know your works. I've seen your passion. I've seen how you devote your time and energy to causes beyond yourselves. I've witnessed how you take my commandments seriously to assist the least of these. Oh, America, you have been a cup of cold water to the oppressed. And your desire to reach the world with the gospel is a marvel, too. Thank you for the emphasis you have placed on printing and publishing my word. You have translated it into hundreds of languages. You have shipped copies of my word to points unknown. 
You have passion and technology to permit people to have ready access to my word. I commend you for spreading the gospel to the four corners of the earth. You have sent your sons and daughters to distant cities and shores with the only saving message. You have given selflessly of your finances. You could have consumed all of this upon yourself, yet you did not. Thank you for your desire to know and declare my whole counsel. America, you searched the scriptures like the friends of old until you reclaimed the teachings. I shared with the apostles two millennia ago. Although I have always had a witness, you have been a catalyst for sharing the gospel apostolic message with new generations of people at home and abroad. I note the diligence you have to the local church. You set aside time and treasure to erect and fill edifices. You create and serve in ministries. You seek to raise up your children in my ways and to teach them the path of life everlasting. For this, I am grateful. Page 311. Yet, I see other things as well, troubling things. You who have read the word, you who have the word available, do not read and apply it. You who spread the gospel to distant shores are hesitant to share it with those nearby. Oh, that's the truth. Got that fear to just walk across the street and, or across the, um, into a neighboring city or something like that. Ah, they know, they'll know who I am. They'll, they'll know exactly who I am. I don't want them to know me. No, it's true. We need to work on that. You who receive the apostolic message no longer value it. You who build churches and ministries are pressed to occupy the same. I see how you have ins- insulated, insulated yourself against me. I have knocked again and again, but you refuse to answer. You turn from rather than to me. You turn to your own might and understanding rather to mine. You refuse to come to me. You refuse to rebuild your altars, those hours of prayer that once burned so bright among you. You claim you are busy, yet you have time to do what matters to you. You say you are weary, wearied and tired. Do you not know I can give you rest? You would rather turn to the so-called wise in the world than to turn to me, the author of life. You have hewn out broken cisterns, boldly man-made remedies to problems that could only be resolved by divine supplies. You think the altar and the prayer meeting incapable of addressing the complex needs of a modern world. You are mistaken. I am present. I am a present help in the time of need for all generations. I know the end from the beginning. I can resolve all issues. Turn to me. Turn to me in faith and anticipation. Repent of your waywardness and wandering. Page 312. Weep bitter tears over your prayerlessness. I will hear your cries. I will turn this nation around. I will hold back the night. I will restrain the forces of evil. If you turn to me, I will turn to you. If I turn to you, you will see America turn around. Call on me. Call on me. You have been given much. Love much. You have received abundance at my hand. Give much. You have been afforded the power to fight the night. Pray much. You have a plenteous supply. Fast much. To the Church of America, repent. Rebuild those altars. Receive the harvest I have for you. And whatever you do, do it quickly because my coming is near. Surely I come quickly. Jesus, your coming King. Never have personal and united prayers have been so crucial as they are now. Arguably, no time in church history has more closely approximated the first century beginning of the church than now. Our ancient brethren find a pagan pre-Christian culture. Similarly, the contemporary church encounters a pagan post-Christian and post-modern world. The essential biblical model of ministry of the first century has never been more appro- approximate, oh, appropriate. 
as that font I have trouble reading than it is today. Richard Mayhew. If that is the case, then let us remember how through the prayer and the and how through the prayer and the changed its world. May we each purpose to do the same. Each of us can ignite the fires of prayer. We can unite together to see those fires spread. Page 313. I doubt if there is a problem, political or economic, that will not melt before the fire of a spiritual awakening. President Franklin Roosevelt, former U.S. President, 1882 to 1945. Let it be, Lord, let it be. That was page 313. Page page 314 is blank. Page 315 is the afterword. Let's go. Let's just complete it. Let's complete this book, and that's what it says. It says complete it. I begin this book describing how I felt compelled to write it. To my amazement, as I draw to this to a close, I still hear that same silent voice urging me to complete this. Only now does it dawn on me. The book on prayer will never be finished, not in my lifetime or in yours. All we can do is devote ourselves to prayer while we have time. Perhaps we will in some way pollinate others to pray, and that will continue until Jesus returns. If you could, with God's help, Find the walking voice. Know he awaits your voice. Practice his presence. Oh, I like that. Practice his presence. Meet him in the trysting place. Make him your one magnificent obsession. Learn and practice heaven's password. Spend time with the rose. You know, um, I'm, I'm inserting this, just this little part right here. We've always had take time to smell the roses. Take time to smell the roses. You know, we go through life and, and we just... Sometimes we snap the picture. A lot, a lot of times we grab our, our phones now and snap a picture of a rose, but do we stop and go smell it? Do we look at the intricate details? You know, that's how it is. Let's spend time with the rose. Jesus is the rose. I'm going to write this down real fast. Practice his presence. Practice his presence. Now I'm going to go on to the rest part. Is I'm still reading his book. Okay, I've got a little bit more here. Okay, this is Brother Gurley. Pray and say his words. Practice the power of two or three. Use the five components of effective prayer. Tend the fires of God. Be assured that your prayer is heard. Drive on prayer's four-lane highway. Remember that when we talked about those? Embrace Hezekiah's secret as your own. Pray the name. What is that name? Jesus. You know, I, I said that many times. The shortest and the most powerful prayer you will ever pray and the most meaningful and all you really need to say is that name, Jesus. That song we used to sing, he's as close as the mention of his name. Jesus, Jesus. There's something about the name Jesus. Oh, hallelujah, how I love that name. Jesus is the sweetest name I know. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. There's just something about that name. Jesus, heaven and earth trembles at the name of Jesus. Oh, chains are broken. Hallelujah in the name of Jesus. Jesus. Oh, you're my best friend. You are a present help in every time of trouble. You are a constant companion. Jesus. Pray the name. Have purified prayers. Try tears. Tears are a language God understands. Learn to intercede intercessory prayer it's praying in the spirit page 316 and our very last page pray in the spirit change the spiritual climate live a recentered life you know jesus be the center 
Jesus be the center, not us. It's, we're not supposed to live self-centered lives, Jesus-centered lives. Then I believe God will help you find the beauty and power of prayer. The more who share in this discovery will experience an awakening that could shape our nation and world. One scripture verse to leave you with, 1 Peter 4 and 7. The end of all things is at hand, dot, dot, dot. How would you finish such a, such a sentence? If you could learn life as you know it soon over, what warning would you give? I like what the chief apostle said, 1 Peter 4 and 7. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers. That's how he ended that. Pray. The times demand nothing less from us. Those whom you love require you to go deeper and higher in prayer than ever before. Our nation and our world are waiting for this. Our Lord and Savior is so worthy of it. Nothing less than an awakening. Alone I am Kala, weak, broken, and constrained. Together we are more than conquerors. Consider this in your in your invitation to an awakening. Join me. And Brother King Gurley signed it. Kala or Shala, C-H-A-L-A-H. I just like to say this, nothing less. Years ago, I wrote a, a, a little chorus, and um, once I was asked to speak, like a little devotional before our choir thing, and I, I had on a little paper my little song, and I passed it out to all the choir members. It says, nothing less, nothing less, nothing less, dear Lord, nothing less than my very best, nothing less, nothing less, nothing less than all of me. Let me try to sing it. Nothing less, nothing less, nothing less, dear Lord, than my very best. Nothing less, nothing less, nothing less than all of me. Amen. That's all he wants. It's all of us. He wants our whole life to be centered in his will. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. He loves us. We love him. Well, God bless you. I've enjoyed sharing this book with you and then a little bit of myself along the way, some of my songs and stuff. Um, Brother Ken Gurley, if you should ever listen to this, please don't think I needed that I was trying to think I needed to add anything to your book. I wasn't. It's just my podcast and... I just pray that God will help me to know what book or what to put on my podcast from now on. Sister Edwin and Elder's picture is right here before me, and she has got her pointer pointing to the cross. That is what I must do, is point people to the cross. Well, I love you all. If we haven't met in real life, I hope someday we get to meet in heaven.